want to tell you that there's nothing more important than him. Uh, there's not a game. There's not a movie. There's not a sport. There's not a career that's more important than being at the feet of Jesus, sitting with him and allowing his spirit to minister to you as as a believer, this is the most precious thing we have. We, we can commune with our Heavenly Father. We, can, we have access, amen, to, to the presence of God. So, man, I encourage you to do that every day. Spend time with the Lord in prayer. Um, spend time with the Lord in His Word and meditating upon His Word, allowing the Word of God to renew your mind, allowing the Word of God to transform the way you think so it transforms the way you live, amen? God's Word is a cleansing agent. God's Word does profound things in our lives. And so I want to encourage you today to trust in him and to continue to walk with him as we get in the word. And so this morning we're looking at, uh, we're coming back to John. Um, I was off last week. We uh, took a little short uh, uh, break last week to, to go visit a, um, a good friend to, for, for his birthday and uh, it was a good time together. And, um, we're back Sunday, this Sunday to get in the Word of God. So let's pray as we get into the Word. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your precious Word today. Thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for those who are here and those who are going to be listening and watching uh, later on or even now. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to move in every heart to, to take away the stony heart and return a heart of flesh in people, Lord God. I pray that our faith... Uh, will be strengthened, oh God, as we come together to listen to the Word of God, to, to take in and not only hear it, but mix what we hear with faith, Lord God, that we would obey the Word of God, that we would be found faithful to keep Your Word, faithful to hold to the Word of God. Lord, we need You, Holy Spirit, we need You even now, we need Your, your work working in our lives. We need, Lord, I need You right now to empower me to preach this message. Lord, I can't do this of myself. Lord, it doesn't come from me. It is your word. And so, Lord, I need your power to be able to declare it so that when it goes into the hearing, God, it will produce 30, 60, 100 times what was sown, Lord. I thank you for that, Father. I love you, and I pray that we would glorify your name this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, today, the title of the message is God the Father Glorifies God the Son. Um, uh, today we're going to continue here in John chapter 8 verses 48 through 59. If you remember the last time we were together, we, we looked at verses 36 through 37 here in John chapter 8. And uh, if you remember this, this passage, I'm going to go over there for a second. Um, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and they were, um, you know, again on the attack because they didn't believe in him. They didn't believe him to be the Messiah. So they, they would continue to you know, attacked and insult him. And so he is ministering and teaching the word of God. And yet these Pharisees, because they didn't have any room for him, any room for the word of God in their lives. Yeah, they studied and poured over the scriptures, but they did not know the God of the Bible. That's what he was saying. They didn't know him because if they did know him, remember the question that we, we answered was, who is your father? And Jesus was declaring that the Pharisee's father was Satan himself. The fairies represent those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said <laughs> Satan was their father because of their actions toward him. 
and because they could not hear God. They, they, they wanted to kill him. They, they were not rejoicing at his coming when they ought to have been, but they wanted to actually kill the Lord. They wanted to destroy him because he was the testifying to the truth. You know, and that's something about Satan. He does it even today. When the truth about anything, any subject, is declared, Satan's goal is to destroy the truth. Today, in the midst of a world that we're in with, with COVID and all the things that are going on, the truth is trying to get out, but the enemy is working through people to stifle the truth and keep it down. And you and I have to be discerning. We have to be not lazy. We cannot be asleep. We need to be sober. We need to understand the times we live in. We need to understand how we should live in the last days. The, the last days began the moment Jesus ascended to the heaven, uh, to proper heaven proper. When he ascended, the end times began. And now as we are, uh, are seeing the things taking place at more of a rapid pace, we're seeing that our salvation is drawing near than when we first believed. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of his wrath is coming. And we need to be ready. The church needs to be ready. So when our Lord when the trumpets sound, when the call is there, that we're ready to be taken up with him, that we're found doing his will on the earth, that we're not foolish and thinking, oh, his, he's delaying his return. No, may we be found faithful in doing what pleases him. And so this is important in our lives. And, you know, we, we talked about how the Pharisees represented um, that they belonged to Satan because of their actions towards Christ and because they could not hear God. They couldn't hear God's word. It says here in verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants. This is John 8, verse 37. Yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. You see, Jesus was declaring the word of God and they didn't have room for him. Of course, they claimed to be children of Abraham, yet they could not hear Jesus' words, be, uh, words be, uh, that were from God. They couldn't hear it. Like many today claim to be followers of Jesus, but cannot hear the words, cannot hear his words. Can, they, well, we say, well, pastor, what do you mean hear his words? I mean, when we talk about hear Jesus' words, we're talking to obey his word and honor and respect God as the, God the Son. In other words, when someone hears the word of God that is truly hearing God, they obey the word of God. They submit to the word of God. They surrender to God. They hold to it. They keep it. They observe the word of God. Yet those who say, oh, I believe in Jesus, yet live a contradictive life than what he teaches are not holding to the truth. They simply mentally ascend that Jesus is the son of God, but their life reflects they don't believe that. Listen, uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, look at what it says about Jesus. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Hallelujah. Jesus is the one who God is speaking through now. He is speaking through the Son. And if you don't listen to the Son, you don't have life. And if, if you don't have the Son, you don't have life. You don't have Zoe. You don't have eternal life. You don't have the God kind of life. 
You might be animate, animated, you might be living, but you don't have the life of God in you apart from the Son. Hallelujah. S-O-N. <laughs> you need the Son. So let's go to our main text. Let's read a little bit here, continuing um, in verse 48. It says, The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not demon-possessed. I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you are demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stone, stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Man, wow, what a moment. Uh, <laughs> this is getting intense here. Uh, it is getting super intense because Jesus has, uh, was declaring uh, you know, who he was. And the Pharisees, after he said to them, remember, uh, the Pharisees were here now accusing him of being a Samaritan and a demon, and demon possessed. I mean, that is a, that's insulting and offensive to call Jesus a Samaritan and, and that he was demon possessed. I mean, can you imagine Saying that to the Lord, if you knew that he was the Lord. If you believe that he was the Lord, that would be <laughs> terrible to say. But yet they said it because they did not see him as the Messiah. Remember that they didn't have room for his word. The Pharisees are are so offended by Jesus words that they accuse him of being a half breed and possessed by a demon. Because that, that the Samaritans, the reason the Jewish that were pure Jew, meaning they, their, both parents were Hebrew, uh, really looked down on those who were half-breeds that had a, a Jewish father or a Jewish mother or having a, 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 a pagan a parent you know, that was not Jewish. They were Gentiles, so they too mixed, and so they called them half-breeds, and it was very, a very, very racist way of being and that's how they saw that they were better because they were not like them they weren't pure jews and so they they insulted him that his who he was his family and then they said he was possessed by a demon because of what he was declaring i mean these guys were to say the least really upset with jesus to do this remember what he just said he just told them that they were spawns of satan so naturally, they attacked his character. I mean, Jesus says, hey, look, look, let's go back up here. He says, um, 
verse 43 and 44, it says, Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. I mean, <laughs> you talk about gnashing of teeth at the Lord. I mean, Jesus uh, talking like this. Can you imagine in some of these churches today, Jesus wouldn't be welcomed. When he look, he'll look at you as a religious person. You're not living where you need to be. And he brings that truth like that. And, and man, he, he'd be thrown out quickly. Then you can, you can blink an eye. Or he probably won't even be invited to minister at the church. But I'm thankful that he came to testify the truth. And because of that truth, they just wanted to like destroy him. The Lord simply responded, hey, I'm not I'm not demon possessed, but I honor my father. Yet you dishonor me. See, Satan does not does the same thing today. When you as a believer begin to declare the gospel, people will insult and attack your character. When you begin to preach the living God, when you begin to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is the only way, the only means for salvation for mankind, you will be attacked for your faith. You will be insulted because of him. Amen. This is real. This is going to happen and it's happening even more today. Uh, let us not forget what Jesus said to us when, when people do this. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 11 through 12. It says this, blessed are you when people insult and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were for you. So you and I need to understand that, that when we declare the good news, there are going to be those who do not believe in the Messiah and they will insult you and attack your character. And in that moment, we we're to rejoice. Why? Because the spirit of Christ is upon us because we bear his name. I mean, look, if everybody says all nice things about you, you you're doing something wrong. Yes, there were people that loved Jesus and followed him, but there were many who hated him as well and wanted him to kill him, wanted to stifle his message. And it's the same today. Remember, you're in good company when you're being insulted for the name of Jesus, when you're being insulted for following him. Remember, you are in good company. Jesus's motivation was to glorify God the Father, okay, by obeying him. He said he was not seeking his own glory. He said here. I'm not here to seek my own glory. I'm here to glorify my father. I'm here to obey the command he's given me. And so Jesus' motivation is awesome. It wasn't about him. It wasn't seeking after his own glory. He was seeking after the glory of his father. He wanted his father to be glorified by what he was doing. Jesus' motivation causes us and it makes us to realize that you and I need to have that same motivation. In our case, we want to glorify our Lord Jesus Christ, which in turn glorifies God the Father. When we glorify Christ in this life, when we live a life that's pleasing to Him, we are glorifying our Heavenly Father. When we begin to surrender ourselves to the Lord and to His will and begin to carry out His will, the things that please God on this earth, and we begin to live for Him, man, what an awesome thing because it brings Him glory. It brings Him uh, esteem and, and, and majesty and worship when you and I begin to glorify him, when our motive is not about our own vainglory, but it's about his glory. 
Man, I'm telling you, you and I have to check our motives. Why do we do what we do? Why Why am I preaching? Why am I teaching? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it for the glory of Danny or is it for the glory of Christ? You and I need to be there. We need to come and, and say, Lord, check my motives. You know my heart. You know me better than I know myself. And God wants us to do the same. He wants us to check our motives of why we do what we do. Why are you doing what you're doing? Secondly, Jesus says to those who observe his word, uh, they will not see death. Isn't that awesome? Jesus said those who obey his word aren't going to see death. I mean... <laughs> How fitting this statement is today, isn't it? We got COVID-19 and all around us, people are struck with fear. Everywhere you turn. I mean, you can't, you, there is, the, the news offers you no hope. Any, any hope that's offered through, hey, there's some medications that could help mitigate you from going into the hospital. No, that's not good enough. And no, oh, it's uh, this or that. It's bad and it's. And all this, there's no hope offered. Everything is death, death, death. You're going to die. Everything is no hope. This is where the world is right now. All around us, not just America, but all over the world. Fear is gripping the heart of people. And Satan is at work. He is the God of this age. He is, he is the prince of the air. He is working through all these people. These people are pawns of Satan who are doing this. They think they have some... They don't realize that all their money, all their wealth is going to mean nothing on the day of judgment. It is going to burn up. The only thing that matters is Jesus Christ living in your life, that your faith is in Him. And so it doesn't matter how much power, how much wealth, and how much authority they amass. One day, the King of kings and Lord of lords is coming to bring judgment upon the earth and to destroy the wicked. And I tell you today that if you don't know Jesus Christ, I pray today that through this message you would repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's your only means to salvation. There is no other name given to men by which they must be saved. It is only in the name of Jesus Christ. You're not going to be saved by a leader that's coming. You're not going to be saved by a government. You're not going to be saved by, by sword or by gun. You're only saved through Jesus Christ and Him alone. There is no other salvation. There is nothing else. Everything else is false and is going to lead you to death and ultimately to the lake of fire. See, the virus, has, <laughs> the virus has given us, actually, as Christians, has given us an opportunity to open up conversations with our relatives and friends about the brevity of life. <laughs> you know, in, in the Western world, we've lived in so much comfort. Uh, we, I mean, we have everything at our fingertips. Uh, yeah, I mean, good gracious, Amazon, you, you need something, it'll be in your house in a couple days, sometimes the next day. Everything. We have bountiful things. We have food. We have plenty of everything. And so because of that, we've thought that this is our security. And as we're beginning to see with this uh, pandemic, we're seeing this crumble right before our eyes. We're seeing these things going down and making us realize, my goodness, where has my hope been? Where has my trust been? Huh? Our trust needs to be in the Lord. Our trust needs to, under, as Christians, I'm talking about Christians, we need to remember, we don't need to be distracted by this world. Yes, we in the world, but we're not of the world. We're citizens of heaven. And we're awaiting a kingdom that's to come. Amen? And so in that, because we understand that we live differently 
than those around us. But yet this COVID has given us an opportunity where because of the fear in men's heart gripping their hearts, we're able now to bring the good news to some of them who otherwise wouldn't have listened. And see, see what the enemy has used for evil, God is turning it for, around for good. See, Satan's, say, uh, saints don't get distracted in this moment. We must be about proclaiming the gospel, the good news to our friends, our family. Man, if they don't want to listen, text them a scripture, share something with them, write them a letter, do whatever it takes to get the message out so that when the time comes, when the church is removed, they will remember what you said. They will remember that you warned them of this day. You warned them that Christ was going to call the church home. You warned them that there's an impending judgment coming. You warned them that there was wrath going to be poured out on this earth like never seen before in history. You warned them of these things. You tried to reason with them. You tried to uh, talk with them about the Lord and give them eternal life, and yet they rejected the Son. But I pray in that moment that we're gone, that we remember and repent at that moment and believe. But we got to be faithful in doing that. We, we can't be distracted by this world. We can't be distracted. You see, Satan is the one who is holding the people under the fear of death. That is Satan all the way. What you're seeing on the television, what you're seeing across the news, that is Satan working as hard as he can to keep the fear of death on people. Why? Because he has control over their lives through that fear. Let me tell you something what Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 say. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Jesus has come. And the good news is that through Jesus Christ, he has broken the power of, uh, uh, of death. He's broken the power of the fear of death over those who've been prisoners all this time because of that. Because Satan has been holding them in fear of death all their life. But Jesus came to set the captive free. Amen. We must remember the words of the apostles. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. In 2 Timothy 1.7, uh, 1 John 4.18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You and I are not to be fearful of what is around us. That's going to set us apart from the world. We're not to be fearful of death because we have eternal life. We have been brought from death to life. Glory to God. In Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. The good news is that God has given us eternal life and that life is in the Son. If, if, if we don't have to fear death. I mean, if you're a Christian, you're born again of God's Spirit, there is no reason for you to fear death. Look what Jesus said in John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Jesus will raise us up again. Jesus is the eternal life. We can turn to him. <laughs> Remember what he said when, they, when the uh, Sadducees who didn't believe in a resurrection and they, and they started questioning Jesus about this woman who married a man and then 
the, her husband died and then the brother married her. He died. Another brother married her and, and so on. And they questioned and said, well, well uh, whose husband will she be in the resurrection? And obviously they didn't understand the scriptures, of course, because they didn't write them. <laughs> they weren't inspired to write them. And, God, and Jesus declared some things that it isn't going to be that way. We're going to be like the angels. There won't be marriage and all that in heaven. And look at what he says to them. He says, he answers them in this way. He says, he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Because <laughs> see, if, 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 if he was the God of the dead, it would be he was the God of Abraham. He was the God of Isaac. He was the God of Jacob. But no, friend, he is the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, they are presently existing, hallelujah, in the presence of God, waiting the resurrection of their bodies, glory to God, because he promised he'll do it. <laughs> we have the cure for the fear of death, guys. We have it. Jesus Christ is the cure for the fear of death. For all the fear that's out here, it is the message that we are to be proclaiming Jesus Christ and him alone. He has the only antidote to death. Why? Because he paid the price he paid the price on the cross. He died and rose again, declaring himself to be the powerful son of God. And he is the only one that can give eternal life to those who call on his name. Man, what an awesome thing. I want to encourage you. Remember, this is the message we're to proclaim. And if you're listening, this is the message I'm proclaiming to you this morning. Jesus Christ and him alone is your hope for salvation, is the only one that can give you eternal life and break you from the Break, free, uh, break you free from the fear of death, only found in Jesus Christ. There is no other. Lastly, God the Father seeks glory for God the Son. In these uh, 54 on, it says, Jesus replied, if, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. And if I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered before Abraham was born, I am. So God the Father is the one. Jesus once again reminds them that he is not demanding his own glory, but God the Father will glorify him. God the Father demands that we worship God the Son, who is Jesus Christ. God the Father is the one who declared, this is how we, who we're to worship. This is who we're to obey. Remember what John the Baptist said when Jesus was being baptized? Look, Matthew 3, 16 through 17, there's plenty of other passages. But I want to read this one to you. He says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased I mean God the father is glorifying the son he's saying this is the one who I'm pleased with you remember when Peter James and John saw the Jesus transfigured on the mountain you remember what he said uh, what, what the what God said it said while he was still speaking behold a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, 
This is my beloved son in whom I, will, I am well pleased. Hear him. Glory to God. The message that God is glorifying the son is that we're to hear and we're to obey him. Let me read to you uh, here in Philippians. One of, the, one of these awesome passages of, of what, <laughs> what God the Father did to glorify Jesus Christ, his son. Look here in uh, Philippians chapter 2. Show you this. Let me get there myself. And we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 11. I think that's right. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being, a, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used on his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of the servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you see that? God the Father is glorifying His Son. He is, he is saying that is your only means to salvation. Remember uh, what John writes in 1 John uh, chapter 5. Um, I mean, the testimony of God, amen, about his son. God is declaring who Jesus is, and we need to understand this. And I know there are people out there who, who just don't, because they're deceived, they don't believe it. But God has testified about his son. One second. One moment here. Here we go. We accept human testimony. This is 1 John 5 and 9. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which He has given about His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made Him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about His Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Man, I'm telling you, God is glorifying the Son. And that is my message to you, that Jesus is being glorified, and he, His goal here is to bring glory and honor to His Father. And as a result of that, God the Father is putting everything under His feet. So one day, Jesus in, in turn will put everything back under, all everything to be under the Father. <laughs> this is awesome. And he declares to them, hey, listen, I know you respect Abraham so much, but let me tell you something. Before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus is declaring his deity, man. And they, I, I mean, the moment they hear this, what do they say? They're picking up stones. They want to kill him because he's declaring himself to be deity, man. Wow. What a moment. What, what a thing for us today. Isn't this fitting for what we're dealing with today? 
Jesus, the Son of the living God, is being glorified right now. Man, I want to pray for you right now as, you're, as you've listened to this word. I want to pray that God will touch your heart. I want to pray, if you're a Christian, I want to encourage you. And if you're, uh, if you're lost, I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I want to pray for, my, for, the, for the person who's lost and hears this message, who's watching and doesn't know you, who's listening and doesn't know you. Oh, God, I pray the power and the convicting work of the Holy Spirit is working in them right now. I pray that they would humble themselves, repent of their sin and believe and confess the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and that the only way for eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. I pray they would make that confession. I pray they would believe it with all their heart, that they would trust in you, and that God, your Spirit will come upon them, Lord, that as you promised, that we would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we'll be born again, and God, that you would give them new desires, that you would give them a love for the Word of God, to hunger and thirst for you, to learn of you, to renew their minds. God, I pray they would be connected to a local body of believers where they can worship you together, where they can serve you through the body of Christ there. God, and they can be edified and built up in their most holy faith. God, use, use this word to minister to them right now. Lord, I pray for my brother or sister who is hearing this message and hasn't been where they need to be. They've been asleep. They've been living carnal. Oh, God. Give them a heart of flesh again. God, break. Break the hardening because of their ease and comfort with the flesh. Holy Spirit, come and convict. Convince them to see. Cause them to arise and shine. Calls them to wake up from their slumber, to begin to walk soberly because you're coming again, Lord. You're coming soon. And Lord, you said, will you find such faith on the earth? Earth, Will you find us being faithful, wait, uh, expecting your return? your return? Your return is imminent, Lord. No man knows the hour. No one knows the time, but we know the signs of the times. We can see it. You told us when these things happen, you're at the door. Oh, I pray today that they would repent, repent of their sin, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And God, that they may be found useful in the master's hands, Lord. Lord, that they will be a useful instrument in your hand. They will not be a vessel of dishonor, but a vessel of honor. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you said if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so, Lord, I pray today for my brother or sister who's listening and watching that today would be a day that they return to you, that they would humble themselves. And that, God, you promise when we do this, Lord, that you would not despise us, that you would not cast us away, Lord, but that you would receive us. Oh, because as a father, you want us to, to glorify you on this earth. You want us to live, to bear fruit. You want us to be fruitful and to bring you glory. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now in the body of Christ 
not to allow fear to grip their hearts, but to remember, Lord, what you said, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Lord, we don't, we're not to be afraid of, of death, Lord, because you, we've passed from death to life. We're in Christ. We have eternity awaiting us. We have a kingdom that's coming that has no end. Glory to God. We have a king who's coming for us and his reward is in his hand. Glory to God. Help us, Lord, to remember that. Help us not to fear, but to live by faith and not by sight. Lord, to know that the, the momentary uh, things that we're feeling and going through right now, the suffering that we may face today, do not begin to compare with the glory that's going to be revealed. Hallelujah, Lord. So we await for you to come for us, Lord. God, help us to live for you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you and we'll see you next time.